I uh, want to talk about prayer this morning. I think that's a fitting subject uh, uh, for us today. And uh, I, I think I just have to admit, when it, I feel like when it comes to prayer, there's probably uh, many in this room that could talk about it uh, much better than I could and probably practice it uh, in a way that's uh, uh, much more according to scripture than I do. Uh, I feel like when it comes to prayer, I'm like a, a little kid. Uh, you know, that just, uh, you, anybody have demanding kids? <laughs> had demanding kids at time, times had uh, kids that were demanding. I want supper now. I'm hungry, what's to eat? Give me that toy. Uh, you know, I feel like that's me in my, in my prayers to God. Just, you know, immature, much to learn. Uh, we've been talking about being uh, equipped and engaged. Everyone equipped, everyone engaged. And, and this morning we want to talk about how do we engage God in prayer. So we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at three different prayers from the Scripture this morning. The first one's in the book of Habakkuk. And uh, so if, uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, it'll be, this is like sword drill Sunday almost, all right? So Habakkuk uh, chapter one, so Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, it's three or four books uh, before the book of Matthew, if you want to turn there. Um, Habakkuk was a prophet to the uh, country of Judah. He prophesied... Uh, just before and during the Babylonian invasion, so the, uh, the, the, the end of the nation of Israel uh, in Jerusalem was coming, to, uh, was coming close, and, uh, and so he, he, he prayed this prayer, and we're going to read it from uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, verse 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, so listen here as, as, uh, as we read this, this is God, uh, excuse me, Habakkuk speaking to God. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And will you not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Dest destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked around, excuse me, surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. You feel the emotion? You hear the, the questioning? The uncertainty? Stress, anxiety. Habakkuk saying, God, do you hear me? God, do you see me? God, why are you allowing this sin to continue? Like, I, I can see it, I know you can see it. God, why aren't you doing anything about it? Why is evil prevailing over good? Are you even there, God? Could we be honest with ourselves this morning? Have we ever prayed 
similarly? Maybe felt it? Not sure if we're allowed to pray like that? Is it okay to talk to God that way? Yeah, absolutely. We want to we, we want to correct our thinking when we pray, but it's okay to tell God how we feel and what we're thinking. And this is what Habakkuk does here in this passage. And of course, uh, the Lord answers Habakkuk in verse five. Look among the nations and see. Now, remember, this is uh, uh, Judah. Possibly, I don't know exactly when it was written, but possibly surrounded by, the, by Babylon. Certainly, Babylon was coming, and the, and the end of uh, Jerusalem and Judah was near. God says, look around the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Now, granted, this, this, these are, Habakkuk is praying about a specific situation and God is responding to him about a specific situation. But do we believe that God is at work today? Uh, NASB says, um, I am doing something in your days you would not believe it if you were told. Do we believe that God is doing something today? When, uh, when Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, the religious leaders were, were upset with him. They were telling him, look, you can't do that kind of thing on the Sabbath. This is, this is a holy day. You're not allowed to be working. He, uh, healing was considered work. And Jesus responded to uh, the, the Pharisees in John chapter five, verse 17. My father is working until now, and I am working. God was doing something in the days of Habakkuk. He was doing something as Jesus walked on the earth, and I believe that he is doing something today. Let me ask you again, do you believe that God is at work today? Habakkuk cried out to God because he looked around and thought, man, this world is a mess. God, we need you. Do you see us? Do you hear us? Where are you? I know our brothers and sisters in Christ are probably in Ukraine praying similar prayers. We're praying those prayers here this morning. Maybe you cried out to God this week for another reason, a a personal issue, a, a family issue, a work issue. You looked around at your your life and thought, man, this is messed up. Are you there, God? God's response to Habakkuk was to look around, wonder, be astounded, for I am doing a work. So Jim uh, challenged us last week with, uh, with this, this question when he was talking about world missions. He said that missions should be important to us because missions is important to God. And he did a little differentiation for us, if that's a word. He said, let's not think about how we're doing as a church 
with missions, but how am I doing personally with missions? That was one of his challenges to us this week. So we could talk this morning about how God is working in our church and the new people that are coming and the programs that we have and the kids that are here on Wednesday and the Bible studies that, that are, are happening and the plans for the summer programs. But is he working in each one of us as individuals? What's God doing in your heart? How is God using you? What is God doing in my heart? How is God using me? So this morning, this is, this is Habakkuk's uh, prayer. We're going to look at two other prayers, and, and we're going to read them because I feel like, like I said, that we will gain more from the scripture than you'll ever get from me on the subject of prayer. Of course, that'd be true of any subject. But I want to make a couple of observations of a, a pattern of prayer that we see. Now, we could go to, um, we could go to the Lord's Prayer, and certainly you, we should, and we do at times, and we'll pray that uh, this af- uh, at the end of the service. Um, and if, so this pattern is not the pattern we see in the, in the Lord's Prayer, but the elements are there. Uh, but there's a, there's a pattern that we see in, in these two prayers we're going to look at. And the first is that uh, the, the person praying has a, a prayer of adoration towards God. Praising God for who he is. Magnifying God. Declaring the greatness of God. And uh, we did that in, in our song this, in this morning. As we sang and as the, the choir led us in worship, we uh, declared our love for God. We were making much of him. So we see uh, in, in a couple of examples of adoration towards God be Psalm 18 verses one and three. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Do you hear the adoration there? The worship of God just for being God. The second element we're going to see in, our, in these prayers this morning is that of confession, where we just acknowledge to God the sin that's in our lives. Psalm 32 verse 5 says this, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. This is the psalmist speaking to God. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And what did God do? He forgave the iniquity of my sin. We are to confess our sin to God when we come to him in prayer. The, the third thing that we, we're going to see in, in these two prayers this morning, we see adoration, we see confession, and then we're going to see the basis for the petition. Now, you probably some of you thought I was going to say Thanksgiving, right? The, old, the ACTS acronym, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. That's not what we're going to see in these prayers. So we, we see adoration, we see confession, and then we see the, the person praying saying, God, this is why I'm coming to you today. And so an example of this would be uh, Moses when he was on Mount Sinai with God getting the Ten Commandments. Aaron and the rest of the people of Israel were, were uh, smelting together a, a golden calf and then worshiping the calf for, for the, because they believed the calf had brought them out of Egypt. And so uh, God said to Moses, hey, just, just step aside for a minute. You're gonna see my wrath. I'm going to wipe out these people from the earth. 
And Moses went to, to God and he petitioned God on, 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 the, on this basis. Moses said, these are your people. The Egyptians will think that you brought these people out of Egypt just so you could kill them. Remember your promise to Abraham about a great nation. You see the, you see the basis for his petition? He's got a request coming, but he says, God, these are your people. They're gonna say you brought them out here just to kill them. You made promises to Abraham, and that's why I'm asking you this. And Moses asked them, turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. So for us today, what, what is our basis for approaching God? Well, Ephesians 1.7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption because of what Jesus did for us. On our own, we have no basis to approach God, but Jesus died for us. We've been washed by the blood of the lamb. We've been declared righteous because of what Christ did for us, and on that basis, we can approach God. And in fact, we're encouraged to do that in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. All right, so adoration, confession, the basis of the petition, and then we're gonna see them present a request. Okay, that's kind of the, the outline uh, of these prayers. All right, so Daniel uh, chapter 9, verse 3. If you've got uh, your Bibles again, please turn there with me. Let's just back a little bit. Uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Jeremiah, uh, excuse me, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, then Daniel. Uh, chapter 9. And this is the first of the two prayers that we're going to look at. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. Now what's happened here is, is the Babylonians did conquer Jerusalem. And the people were carried into captivity. And they were there for 70 years, when, or almost 70 years anyways, when Daniel's reading the prophet Jeremiah. And he's kind of putting things together. And he says, well, wait a minute. Jeremiah's saying that after 70 years, some of us will go back to rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, so he's in captivity, though, and he's realizing that this time is, has passed, and so he, he turns to God. And now you'd think, you have Daniel, he reads that God's going to return the people to Jerusalem after 70 years. It's almost 70 years. Me, if this were me, I'd be like, God, this time's up. Please, let, let me be the first to go back, Right? Me and my demands. God, this is what I want. I'm coming to you because I need something. But this, let's, let's look at what Daniel said to, to the Lord. Daniel 9, verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Pleading for mercy, sackcloth, ashes. He's weeping, he's mourning. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. That's the adoration. He says, God, you're great and you're awesome. You keep your promises. You're faithful. 
Not me, God, this is what I need. As he starts, God, you're awesome, you're great. You keep, you, you, you love us, you keep your covenants. He goes straight into confession. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and fathers and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belong righteousness, but to us open shame as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you had driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. This is Daniel confessing the sin of the people. If you like to underline in your Bible, underline uh, here in verse seven. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. That's for all of us. That is how we should approach God. God, you're the righteous one. I'm a lowly sinner. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. That's how I'm coming to you. Verse eight, to us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers because we have sinned against you. So he's confessing his sin. He's confessing the sin of the people. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice, the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws which he set before us by his servants and the prophets. So he, can, he continues uh, in the next few verses talking about how they uh, have sinned, kind of giving a, 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 repeating back to God a, a bit of the history of the people of Israel but he starts with adoration. He continues with confession. And now here we're gonna see both the, the request and the basis for which he makes the request. So here's the request. Oh Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, I pray that your anger and wrath may turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, he says, God, I'm, I'm asking that you would turn your wrath away from the city of Jerusalem. This is his prayer. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all around us. We're getting into the basis. This is why he's asking. He's not asking for himself. He's saying, God, your people are a reproach. You're, I, I want your name to be honored and to be glorified, but your, your, your people are the laughing stock. He says, now, our God, hear the prayers and petition of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. He's saying, God, for, for your sake, for your name, I want you to be glorified. I want Jerusalem to be your city again. I want people to worship you in the temple. For your name, God, will you do this? Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Daniel understood his, his position between a holy and righteous God. He, he says, you're the righteous one, God, but you have had mercy on us, and that's why I'm asking. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. 
Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel's greatest concern was for the reputation of God, that God would be worshiped, that God would be glorified. Yes, he has a request that Jerusalem would be restored, but he goes to God in adoration, in confession, acknowledging who the righteous one is and who the sinner is. He wants God's name to be magnified, and so he makes this request of God. All right, we're going to continue. Fast forward another 60 or 70 years, maybe. Uh, we'll go to the book of Nehemiah. Uh, now, Nehemiah is going to be before Psalms. If you're staying uh, with me in your Bible, Nehemiah chapter 1. So Daniel prayed. The 70 years was up. Uh, some 40,000 plus Israelites returned to Jerusalem under the leadership of uh, Zerubbabel. Uh, they begin to uh, rebuild the temple. Uh, there's a, a, a new king comes into place. Uh, now the Persians are ruling. And we find Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah is of Jewish descent, but he still lived in Persia. He did not return with the Israelites that went to Jerusalem some 60, maybe 70 years earlier. But he receives word back from Jerusalem. And, and so we, we have his account here. Nehemiah chapter one, verse one says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Haniah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So here's the report from Jerusalem. He knows that these exiles, some 40,000 40, had gone back to uh, re-inhabit Jerusalem. And so I don't know how much communication is back and forth or what he thought maybe was happening, but he finds out the walls are still in rubbles, the gates have been burned, uh, the, the city has not been restored. So look at uh, Nehemiah's prayer here in chapter one, verse four. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. How often do we stop everything that we're doing to take a request to God for days? Like I, I, when, I, when I read this in the Bible, I, I believe this to be a literal account of what happened. He heard these words he sat down and wept and mourned for days, continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. There's the, the beginning of the adoration there. He's praying to the God of heaven, the ruler of the world. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He starts just like Daniel did. God, you're awesome, you're great, you love your people. 
And you notice the repetition there. This might be kind of the way that they began their prayers. There's a repetition between Nehemiah and Daniel. He says, God's great. He's awesome. Keeps covenant. He loves. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel your servants. God, God, please listen. Please hear. Please see. And he begins with a confession. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. So he said, Israel has sinned. I've sinned. My father's house has sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. We've not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. So this is a bit of a a recounting again, just like Daniel did, of of the sin and the history. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. We've talked about that, that that when, when God gave the commandments to Moses, Moses presented them to the people and said, look, if, if we obey, we'll be blessed, and if we disobey, disobey, we'll be cursed. Do you agree? And the people agreed with him. So God's word to Moses, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven from there, I will gather them and bring them to the place I have chosen to make my name dwell there. He says, God, do you remember? You've got a covenant. If, you're un- if, if we're unfaithful, you'll scatter us. He, he knew that had happened, but he says, if we return to you, God, promises you'll bring us back together. These, excuse me, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. So this is the basis, the adoration, God, you're great, you're awesome, you're faithful, you're loving. The confession, we've sinned, we've been corrupt, we haven't followed your commandments. God, we had a deal. You, we, we broke our end of the deal, so you scattered us. You've been faithful. Now we're coming back and we're praying to you, God. On that basis, will you continue to be faithful to your word? He says, we are your people, the ones you redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. He said, I'm not just anybody, God, and he is just a nobody, but on one hand, but on the other hand, he says, God, I'm one of your children. I'm one of the ones that you redeemed. And so here's the basis, that's the basis. And he says, oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name, who give, and give success, here's the request, give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. So we could read, continue to read and we'd see that Nehemiah had, was going to go to the king and make a request and so this was his request to God, give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. I think it's really interesting in both of these prayers that the majority of the time was spent in adoration, confession, 
and, and claiming the promises of God. Uh, P- Paul said to us this morning that every promise is true and the promises are for us. So the adoration, God, you're great. The confession, God, I am a sinner. The basis for the, for the, for the petition, God, in your word you say, and then right at the end, this is my request. Would you restore the city? Would you give me success today? I don't know about you, but I've got it all backwards when I pray. I start with the, God, I'm, I'm hungry. Is dinner ready yet? And the, the, the model for us in his word is to, is to recognize who he is, to recognize who we are, to claim the promises of God, and then to give our request. Anybody dealing with anything today? This week, this past week, relationally, at work, finances? Just the daily stress and anxiety and issues of life? Personal things that we deal with in our mind and in our heart just to get out of bed and go through the day? In Philippians, it says that we, that we are to present our requests to God. And then when these Old Testament prophets had a request, they started with adoration and then confession. They declared God's promises and then they made their request known. So we're gonna close this morning and I'm just gonna uh, ask you to bow your heads Uh, We've prayed together in small groups this morning. We've prayed together uh, corporately. And now I'm going to ask you just to talk to God for a minute, just you and him. Maybe uh, you're looking at your life and and you see see the issues that you're dealing with and you know the struggles that uh, uh, are just real to you right now. Maybe you've taken them to God, maybe you haven't. Maybe after uh, looking at these prayers in the scripture this morning, uh, you recognize, like me, that uh, you can be selfish in your prayer. So maybe for the first time uh, about an issue or maybe continuing in prayer over something that you've been dealing with, I just invite you to call out to God this morning. Praise him for who he is. Confess your sin to God. Declare one of God's promises. Declare his faithfulness. 
invite you to cast all your burdens on him because he cares for you. Acknowledge him as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Claim a promise of God that applies to what you're dealing with. let God know what your request is. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. As people are praying this morning, maybe you're here for uh, For whatever reason you're here this morning and, and you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't even have a relationship with God. And I know about him, but I, I, I don't know that I, I've never really even prayed before. Maybe, maybe today's the day for someone where they need to acknowledge who God is for the first time. He's the creator of the universe. He wants to have a relationship with each one of us so much that he sent his son Jesus to the earth. We sang about that. Choir sang about that. Jesus lived the perfect life and he died on the cross for the sins of the world. So that you and me as sinners, we, we, we recognize our sin, we confess our sin. But we can go to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sins so that I could have a relationship with him. Maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray this morning. God, you are great and you're mighty. You're awesome. You're the creator of the world and we worship you because there's no one else to worship. Lord, we look forward to your return, to the day when you will come back for your church. God, we know that you have a plan for each one of us and we fall short of it so often. Lord, I confess my selfishness, my impatience, my desire to be right. I need you, Lord. God, I'm thankful that you sent your son, that Jesus, who had no sin, was our sin. He took on our sin and gave us his righteousness. And because of that, we can come to you with our requests. So Lord, my request this morning is that each one of us would would grow in the way that we pray with you, that we, we talk to you, 
we would grow in the way that we let you know how things are going, that we would grow in our adoration and praise of you, that we would grow in our willingness and humility to confess our sin, that we would, would grow in our knowledge and understanding of what you've promised for us, that we would approach you humbly and yet with confidence at the same time because you called us to approach your throne of grace with confidence. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.